Now, when Steve asked me to teach, that would not have been the topic that I would have selected, and, but it is in the, the, the curriculum that Steve is using, but I'm really glad. I really liked, as I was preparing for uh, this class today, um, God revealed some new things to me that I hadn't thought about, so I'm really glad we're going to do this today. Um, the Passover is one of several feasts that uh, ancient Israel, and in fact they still celebrate today, the Jewish religion celebrates on a regular basis. And there's several other feasts that uh, is very important to, to the Jewish religion. Now it's interesting, the thing about a feast uh, and these celebrations is God told them to celebrate. I mean, these were Super Bowl party type celebrations that they were to to have. In fact, um, when when they began, after they came back out of exile and they began to renew these celebrations, you know, God said, this needs to be a party. Eat the fat and drink the sweet wine. I mean, this was... This was intentional to, to celebrate, but it was also intentional to bring a focus back to God. And it's one of those things, as um, you, you've heard several times, and we hear it, uh, especially in the Exodus story, is that they would set up symbols along the way. They'd, they'd stack a, a stack of rocks, and, um, and the purpose for that was, when your kids ask, why are those rocks all stacked up there? You could say, because this is what God did for us. So I think it's really important that not only do we celebrate, but I think it's important that we recall what God, not only what God will do in the future, but what God has done in the past and how God continues to walk with us as we celebrate and and as we journey. See, I think we are blessed with forgetfulness. Now, not necessarily selective forgetfulness, gentlemen. You know, I don't think you can use that a biblical reference if you forget your wife's birthday or forget your anniversary. Um, but having grown up in Phoenix, um, every summer, about July, I would say to myself, it just could not have been this hot last year. And, of course, I look at the records, and, and it has, and it's like, why would anybody in their right mind stay in a place like this? I mean, when, when you have to have oven gloves to drive your car, I mean, it, it, it's hot. Um, and I think what happens as the, about this time of the year, when it's really, really nice, you forget about how hot it was, you know, six months ago. So, so I think there is something in our human nature that, that we are forgetful people. And so God said, look, there's some things I don't want you to forget. It's okay to forget how hot it was last year, but I, I don't want you to forget that I'm your God. And so he implemented these festivals. And, and a few of them here, <clears throat> uh, the Feast of Weeks. Now, that, it, it really was, I mean, that's what it was. You feasted for a week. Um, it's also known as Pentecost. So sometimes in our, 
uh, Christianized version. We, we um, sometimes we talk about Pentecost. We celebrate Pentecost. I know Cliff Sanders, whose class meets after this, they had a party um, last May. Pentecost is 50 days after Easter. And that's why we celebrate, now Christians celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit. And, and that's what Pentecost is about today. Um, so, it, but initially, uh, Pentecost was a celebration. It took about 50 days from the time they left Egypt till the time they got to Mount Sinai to worship God. So that's what this celebration of, of Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks is. And then they have the Feast of Trumpets. Now, I know that's one of Steve's favorite. Uh, you get to break out the band and uh, you have a good time. Uh, today, we also know that as Rosh Hashanah. Now, Rosh Hashanah is, um, it is the time of repentance. So it's a major celebration in Judaism. Uh, it's one of the high holy days. Uh, it, it usually occurs in the fall, September, in that time frame. And uh, it, it actually began in the book of Leviticus. You would read about that where once a year the high priest would, um, would sacrifice a lamb for the, for the sins of the, of the community, of the nation. So that, that's where that, that feast came. Uh, Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. Again, those things are, are tied together. Yom Kippur is, is uh, again, the high priest celebrates and, and repentance for the people. Of the, of the nation, one of the high holy days. The Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles celebrates the, the period of time that they wandered around in the desert for 40 years. So it's a remembrance of, uh, that their forefathers didn't always get it right. And, um, but, but God was faithful in spite of that. So that's what this Feast of, of uh, Tabernacles is about. The Feast of Dedication, also known as Hanukkah, um, something that was uh, celebrated just a month or so ago. Anybody know what Hanukkah celebrates? The, the, the oil, that's the symbolic, yeah. Um, the, the, it's the rededication of the temple. So in, in 164 B.C., uh, Judas Maccabeus and his family uh, uh, led a revolt, and they were able to actually reestablish some freedoms and reestablish the temple because the temple had been desecrated. And they only had enough oil. The, the lamp was to burn for eight days, and they only had enough oil for one day, and the sacred holy oil was, was far away. And they, they sent a messenger, but they didn't get back in time. But the oil lasted for eight days. I mean, it's like your, your kids, you know, it, it's like the charge on their iPhone. It's only supposed to last a day, but it lasted a whole week. So that's what they're celebrating is that God intervened in this way. And um, the oil lasted for those eight days. And then Passover which is also known as the un, uh, Feast of Unleavened Bread. So sometimes you may, in, in the New Testament, you may see that uh, 
phrase, unleavened, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, Feast of Passover, by Jesus' time, it, it's really almost synonymous, those two. Um, the, the Passover lamb is sacrificed, and then there's a, a week-long party or week-long celebration, which is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So they merged them together uh, in Jesus' day. So as we talk about Passover, um, we're going to talk about, now where did this tradition come from? So Bob, if you would, if we'd all open our Bibles to Exodus chapter 12, and Bob, would you read um, verses 1 through 14 for us? Thank you, Bob. So <clears throat> here we have, it's interesting, I found it interesting that, uh, first of all, the Lord spoke to both Moses and Aaron in this situation. And, and, and God said, okay, I'm going to do something so phenomenal. Let me tell you how you're going to remember, how you're going to memorial. I want you to plan now that you're going to start partying once a year before he even told him what, it, what this was all about, Be, before God even, even shared, okay, this, this, is, you know, this is the Passover, he starts by saying, okay, you're going to start, I want you to learn how to celebrate this. This is so important. You know, if you were an uh, instructor in class, whether high school, if you remember high school or college, you know when, when the teacher said, Okay, you might want to take notes on, on this lecture or this part of the lecture, meaning it's going to be on the test. I think that's why God, God is saying this is so important. I'm going to tell you about celebrating it, and that's how important it is, before he even told you what you're going to be celebrating about. Because we don't even get to ver, you know, verse 12 before we understand what this is all about. So this is one of those things. You might want to take some notes on this. Because God says this is really, really important stuff. And he said that to the, the people of, of uh, Israel at that time. And I think there's probably some, some things we may take some notes on. And so that's why I've given you a little space on your paper here. We're going to create a little acrostic here. And uh, you may not remember eight points, but we're going to talk about something important uh, for each of those letters of Passover. But before we get there, so we have, you know, Passover was the, uh, Passover, the death angel would pass over. So this was the plague of the death of the firstborn. Okay, so this was number 10 of 10. There were, there were nine that preceded this. Okay, let, if, um, if any of you can remember Charlton Heston and Yul Brynner, you know, the, the Ten Commandments movie. Um, what, 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 let, let's, let's just kind of do a quick review of the ten plagues. Anybody recall what the first plague was? Blood. Blood. Yeah, you know, uh, um, Yul Brenner is there, and Moses puts a, you know, Charlton Aston puts a stick in the water, and the Nile River turns red. Okay, uh, what was the second one? No? Boils is later. 
Frogs. Yeah, frogs don't like the blood. So the frogs come out of the water. Okay, then what's after that? I heard it, uh, gnats. Uh, some of your Bibles may say, um, may be interpreted uh, lice or fleas. It's, it's those little pesty bugs, you know, that just kind of, you know, that, that's what it was. Okay, then we have flies. And what's after the flies? Yeah, the, the livestock die. Now, it's interesting at this one, number five, um, that that only happened to the Egyptian livestock. The Jewish livestock didn't die. You know, the way the scripture, the way the narrative reads, uh, the, 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 the children of Israel were all impacted by these as well. But this is the first one here that didn't, didn't touch them, just, just the, the Egyptians. Okay, then what? Boils. And then? No? Locusts. The hail comes next. And then darkness. And then we have the last one is the um, is what we're celebrating was the Passover. So th those were the ten. Now some scholars look at these ten plagues, and 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 they see that the each one of these was a direct offense to some Egyptian god. You know, uh, Ra was, was the god of, of, of the sun, so the darkness. So, so what, what, and I have a tendency to believe that this is probably part of what God was trying to do here. God was attempting to not only free his people, but to say, look, all these gods you've made up, you know, I'm still in control. And, and so these plagues, demonstrated that Yahweh was in control. That, that, that the, the great I am is the one who is responsible here. And, and as man, we, we think we can control a lot, and we do. And we can, especially Americans. You know, we've got a lot of technology. We got, we're really smart, and we're really rich. And, and, and there's a lot that we can do. And there's a lot that we attempt to do. Just like the Egyptians. I mean, th this was the primary, I mean, they were the, the top of the heap. If you remember your ancient uh, history, uh, Egypt was ruler of the world at this time. They were the top dog. And God was saying, yeah, as good as you are, I just want you to be aware, I'm still God. I am who I am. Yahweh rules over all other gods. And I think this was an important message or lesson that, that he would, that God, the whole, from this point forward, the Old Testament narrative keeps coming back to this message. 
keeps coming back to the children of Israel saying, I'm God, you're not. I'm God, you're not. And I think he was laying that foundation right here with, with just how he brought them out as a people group out of Egypt. Uh, and, and this was something he, that would cycle back throughout the Old Testament narrative over and over and over. Yahweh is God. All, whatever other idol you want to create, whatever else you think about yourself, I'm still God. So the, the plagues there, I think, you know, help us understand that from the beginning, from the beginning, God knew that we had to remember because we have a tendency to forget. And, and, and I find, at least in my own life, that I'm most forgetful when, when I'm, you know, fat and happy or, or sometimes the other end of the extreme when I'm in such despair. I tend to forget that God is God. And either I allow my circumstances to, to uh, I think it's all about me, <laughs> or I think woe is me. Um, and and there's, there's this idea of remembering and that's what this passage here, Bob was saying, he says that you guys need to remember that I'm God and I'm, I'm going to have this festival here. So as we go through here, now let, let's go through um, the P's or a P. I, I think there's several letters here that we could put for the P, but the first one is Protection. When we, when we read the whole Passover narrative here, God said, put the blood on the doorpost and the death angel will pass over. This will protect you and your family. So I think one of the key things that God is trying to, to help us remember is, God, I got your back. Look, I'm going to be there. Um, in spite of all these other gods... I'm going to be there. In spite of circumstances, I will protect. And it's interesting, or I found it interesting, that um, it was the blood of the lamb put on the doorpost that distinguished between the Egyptian houses and the Jewish homes. Now, I remember we all saw that in the movie the blood of the lamb. But what I hadn't thought about before is this distinction is something very external, very noticeable. And, and sometimes I wonder, and I have to ask myself, it, 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 how do I live in a distinctive way from the Egyptians, from the rest of the world, from the popular culture. If the angel flew over my house today, would there be anything different about my house than everybody else around me? Now, I'm speaking metaphorically here. When, when, when God looks at my life, has the blood of the lamb been painted in such a way that people around me have no doubt, have no doubt. Okay, the, the, 
the blood of the lamb's on this person. Or is it pretty easy to miss? And I'm not saying we, we need to be weird or, you know, and, and forgive me, but I think it's okay to wear clothes that have buttons on it um, and to drive cars. I know our Amish friends are, are very faithful in that distinction of being separated from the world. Um, if you've never been to Amish land and, you know, pen, Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, northern Indiana. Um, it's kind of interesting to see this little you know, horse and buggy going down the road and you know, all these cars buzzing around them. And, and they do distinguish themselves from the rest of culture. I'm not sure that's exactly, um, and I don't want to be condemning of that, but um, I think perhaps we need more than just our clothing and, and um, you know, what vehicle we drive, perhaps, to distinguish us here. But there was something external. It was very visible. There was no doubt about it. Either the blood was on the post or it wasn't. And, and I think that that's a, something, that's a question that I know I have to wrestle with. It, that it is... Is it pretty clear for those around me that the blood of the Lamb has been painted on the post of my heart? Or am I still living in Egypt? And, and I think another P that would go with this, if we're going to do something about it, I think it's being proactive. Um, I, I, the, there was a step that had to be taken. So... For, the, for those Egyptian families, they had to do something. It, it wasn't a passive thing. It was a step that was taken. It was a decision to be made. Am I going to trust God in this, in this context? Am I going to trust God that the firstborn of my family don't die? If, these, if, if it means being obedient by putting the blood of the lamb on the post, am I going to trust God or not? I think that's a question we, we continually have to ask ourselves and be proactive about. Am I going to trust God or not? So the, there is this aspect of trust built into this idea of protection. Or do I trust in my own resources? Do I trust in myself? Do I trust in, in the Egyptian government? Do I trust in the U.S. government to, to take care of things here? Okay, A. I think the, uh, for, for A, the, the word that I use here is alignment. And what I mean by that is when, when God says, okay, here's how things work. Here's what, here's, if you really want a, 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 uh, fulfilling life, be obedient to me, align your heart and desires to mine. See, the, the, there was, um, I'll just skip my, skip my thought here. Um, great Bible scholar and teacher, can't remember his name now, but uh, one of the things that impacted me was, especially when I was younger, it's like, if you want to be in the will of God, 
You want to do God's will? Go find out where God is working and join him. And I think it's this idea of being in alignment. There's no secret. God wants you to know what his will is. And if we take that time and that effort, rather than to try to bend God's will to mine, the A here is how do I align my will to God, to God's? And when we get into the New Testament, that's where I think the whole, uh, that's where the Holy Spirit empowers us and engages us. And that's part of the process of the Holy Spirit, is to align our heart to God's. And I also heard it said that um, if you want God to answer your prayers in a positive way, then Pray the prayers that that you would pray if you knew what God knew. Now, we can't always do that. That's why we have to say, okay, your will be done. There are some things that we know. But if you want your prayers answered, pray the prayers that, that God has already said, hey, I'm going to answer these prayers. This is the way I'm going to work. And if we knew what God knew, that's the kind of prayers we ought to be praying. Okay, A. S. Okay, we got two S's here. The first S is recognizing slavery. Now, I'm not talking about um, slavery in the U.S. over the last hundred, you know, 150 years ago, 160 years ago. I'm talking about the idea that we are slaves. We will serve some God, little g, maybe, maybe big G. But the way that we are created, we are going to serve. We are a slave to something. Now, to make it nice and neat, because and, we don't like that word slavery. It has lots of negative connotations. So... We, we talk about, I'm really dedicated to my career. I'm really dedicated to, you know, my family. And I'm not saying you shouldn't have, be dedicated to your career. I'm not saying you shouldn't be, you know, serving your family. But the truth is, we are a slave. We will serve some God. And, and the question is, what God are we serving and, and the answer, in each, and you can only answer this individually. Where are you putting your trust? If you answer that question, where you're putting your trust, that will tell you what God you're serving. Now I'm not saying we I'm not saying we should be irresponsible with our finances, with with our 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 abilities and callings and gifts and talents and all that kind of stuff. I think God wants to use all of those things to advance his kingdom. And that's why, I mean, he, he told Abraham, Genesis chapter 12, look, I'm gonna bless you because I'm gonna use you to bless the whole world. And, and, and so God has a purpose here. He's got a plan. 
and 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 so I think this S reminds uh, us that that we are slaves. Now, slave to what God? That's where we get to make the choice, and sometimes it's ourself. You know, um, and when Jesus was tempted, you know, it was power, pleasure, passions. You know, that's what Satan attempted. Say, why don't you serve these things? Possessions, not passions. Put your trust in those things. I, I, the script hasn't changed. Satan continues to tempt every one of us with, with one of, in those three areas. <laughs> Say, put your trust here. If you really want to live the fulfilled life, if you really want the abundant life, it needs to be here. So this S says we are slaves. But the good news is we get to choose who we serve. The next S, I think we should remember, is a sacrifice. That the, that the Passover required a sacrifice. That the lamb had to be slain. And of course, you know, we, we, we can fast forward a couple thousand years and now, you know, 4,000 years. And, and, and we know that from God's perspective that the lamb that was slain was, was Jesus Christ. The lamb that takes away the sins of the world. But there's, all, but there's a sacrifice that God makes, but I also would point out there's a sacrifice that we make. If we are going to serve Yahweh, then what we have to sacrifice is ourself and say, okay, you are God, I am not. You know, the New Testament, Paul talks about uh, uh, that we're a living sacrifice. That doesn't mean we, we, we literally shed our blood, but God uses us as we sacrifice ourselves to advance his kingdom. You know what the problem with a living sacrifice is? We keep crawling off of the altar. Um, yeah, I, I know this is almost a daily thing I have to do. One, because I probably forget, so I have to be reminded that, that I am going to serve some God, and if I've chosen to serve Yahweh, I have to sacrifice myself, my selfish desires, my selfish ambitions. Now, I'm not saying that, does, that doesn't mean, you know, God gives some people type A personalities, and, and I think God uses those type A personalities and those drivers to advance his kingdom. But it's always about God and his kingdom. When it becomes about myself, then, I, then now I've switched it. I'm back to serving myself. The O, one God. Now, the, uh, we, sometimes we'll throw that, that phrase out that there's only one God. Um, it, 
in um, Judaism, especially ancient Judaism, you know, they quoted, or they would repeat, and we find it in Deuteronomy 6.4, that hero, hero Israel, the Lord God is one. Okay, it's not just that one in a singular sense, but I want you to remember it's one as we're number one, we're number one. You know, some of you are going to be chanting that today, whether it's for Denver or the Panthers. And it goes back to this, that, that Yahweh says, look, I am who I am. Me meaning, I've been here for, I I I'm self-existent. All things emanated from me. I am the first and the last. So this one isn't necessarily, I mean, because the truth is, we serve a lot of gods. We have a lot of gods. We have a lot of idols in our country. But this one, God wants us to, be, to remember that he is the one. He is the leading God. He is the God that all other gods will bow down to. All other idols will fall away from. So that's what the O stands for. Okay, V. Okay, V, and, and you know, I'm just going to use uh, Winston Churchill here. V is for victory. God said, look, I've got this. I've got a plan. You guys messed up in the garden. I'm going to fix it. And, and we're in the process of God fixing that. But I also know I've read the rest of the story. God wins. Revelation 22, God wins. Victory is imminent. We may still have a few skirmishes, but God has won already. The enemy has been... When, when Christ rose from the dead, when the tomb was emptied, that sealed the victory. And that victory is ours. Now, sometimes we don't walk, we don't walk around. We don't live as if we, we live in the sense of victory. Some, sometimes, and, and, you know, I hate to say this, but sometimes there are some Christians in some churches that, that forget this. They live such, just look at their faces. I mean, they live such defeated, as if they're in this defeated lifestyle, this defeated presence of mind. Christians should be the most joyous of all. You know, when it comes to partying and, and, and enjoying, the world should look at Christians to say, man, how do you celebrate? How, I want to celebrate like those people do. I, we, we have the victory. The victory is ours. We live in the shadow of that victory. That means, again, that doesn't mean all of our circumstances are positive. That doesn't mean that our grandchildren may not suffer. But it does mean God says, I have this. Some things I may change, some things I may not, but I will walk with you through all of those. And we will have victory. And if you knew what I knew, you wouldn't worry about it. 
trust me. E. E is for Egypt. I think we're to remember where we came from. And it's interesting, in the, in the Exodus narrative, at some point, um, as was their very common, they began complaining to Moses. And all we have is this manna and these, you know, I'm getting tired of manna in the morning, manna at noon, manna in the nighttime. And at least in Egypt, we had some onions. And they began romanticizing Egypt. They began saying, you know, maybe it wasn't that bad. You know, I know it's kind of tough to, to make bricks without straw, but, you know, I think we could figure out how to do that. Sometimes we, we begin to romanticize what it what it was what it's like to live in bondage what it's like to serve ourselves what it's like to serve some other god we began and and act, actually our culture really helps us do that our culture continues to push these other gods out there and, and i mean just watch the commercials today um, which you know i get almost as much kick out of the commercials uh, as the game Especially, um, I'm not, I'm not um, condoning that anybody go out and get a six-pack of Budweiser, but I love the Clydesdales, <laughs> and, and especially with the puppies. You know, the Clydesdales and the puppies, and um, they, they just have a phenomenal marketing group here, or advertising group that come up with. Our culture continues to say, you know, it's, it's not so bad in Egypt. And God says, look, I want you to remember, you were a slave. You had no freedom. You couldn't even worship me. Don't romanticize Egypt. It, it, was, it was bad. We all have a past. And, and you know, uh, we're forgiven from that past. And we move forward. God can use all of that. Um, but I'm also saying that this is a re this is a reminder. Sometimes we we uh, desire the good old days, and I'm right there. You know, the music of the '50s and '60s I think is some of the best uh, uh, in human history. I don't know why these youngins today don't get that. They've been brainwashed. <laughs> Um, what some of the stuff they call music, I just you mean that noise uh, kind of a thing. Anyway, um, remember, we were once slaves, and God said, I'm going to bring you out, and if you serve me, we're going to have victory, and, and we're going to celebrate. So this idea of Passover is remember, don't romanticize Egypt even as much as our culture tries to make us think, oh, bigger, better, faster, you know, whatever. Um, we, we can't fall for that. And our final point here, the R, is for Redeemer. That it was God 
who provided the lamb. It is Christ who is our redeemer. And so this idea of Passover, and in fact, when Jesus gathered his disciples, he, uh, the night that he was betrayed, and the night before he was crucified, he celebrated this Passover meal, and he brought new meaning to some of these things. And so each week, or each time here that, that we uh, celebrate the Lord's Supper, which is our version of Passover now, we're to remember we can put our trust in God. God will do what he says he's going to do. If we want to be in the will of God, we align our hearts with God's heart. We are slaves. The, diff the choice is ours is what God will we serve. Will it be Yahweh or will it be the gods of Egypt? Joshua challenged the people of Israel, choose this day which God are you going to serve, but for me and my house, it will be Yahweh. You didn't get there, we didn't get here without a sacrifice. And that sacrifice then is we sacrifice ourselves to serve God. One God, in spite of all the gods of Egypt, there was one. Victory is ours. We don't want to go back to Egypt. And Christ is our Redeemer. So I hope this day, as we leave this place, that you will remember. You will remember that God is who he says he is, and he will do what he says he will do. Let me pray. God, thank you for Passover. Thank you, Father, that as we, each time we may take uh, the Lord's Supper, communion, or or time we, we think about this exodus from Egypt, that we can recall that, first of all, you have the plan. You invite us to be a part of that plan. You, you, you become our redeemer. We paint the, the blood of the lamb upon the doorpost of our heart. May we seek alignment with the Missio Dei. May we seek alignment with your mission in advancing your kingdom and telling the good news that we no longer have to live in Egypt. We no longer have to serve the gods of Egypt. But we can sacrifice ourselves and serve the one true God and victory will be ours. Thank you, Father. Amen.